Section twenty four of O Henry Encore by O Henry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Phil Schempf. Led astray. There was no happier family in all Houston than the O'Malleys. Mr. O'Malley held a responsible position in one of our large breweries and was a thrifty citizen and an indulgent husband and father. His son Pat was part owner of a flourishing little grocery and also played the e-flat horn in the band that discourses sweet music sunday afternoons in a building on one of our quietest unpaved avenues the light and hope of the family was the youngest daughter kathleen an ebon-haired girl of nineteen with madonna-like features and eyes as black as the wings of the crow they lived in a little rose-embowered cottage near the corner where the streetcar turns kathleen was engaged to be married to fergus o'hollihan a stalwart and handsome young man who came to see her every night with exquisitely washed hands and face and wet hair brushed down low upon a forehead that did not exactly retreat but seemed to rather fall back for reinforcements on sunday nights kathleen and fergus would wander arm in arm over the gesundheit beer garden and while the string band in the pavilion played the dear old fatherland melodies they would sit at a little round table in some dark corner and click glasses in the most friendly and lover-like manner the marriage was to come off in june and kathleen after the custom of her people had already prepared her bridal trousseau and housekeeping effects in her wardrobe were great piles of beautifully embroidered things in fine linen and damask heaps of tablecloths napkins and towels and in the big drawers of her bureau were piles of dainty lace-trimmed garments that kathleen being a modest irish maiden and not a new york millionairess kept shyly hidden from view instead of having their description printed in the post kathleen had made these garments herself working with loving care and patience and they were intended as a guarantee of good faith and not for publication the girls in the neighborhood all envied kathleen her good luck for fergus was a fine-looking young man and his business was prospering he could drink more whiskey tell funnier jokes and sing the wearin of the green so you could hear it farther on a still night than could any other young man of their acquaintance so dark-haired kathleen was happy bending over her work with rosy cheeks and smiling lips while alas already the serpent was at work that was to enter her eden one day kathleen was sitting at her window half hidden by the climbing honeysuckle vines when she saw fergus pass down the street with another man a low-browed treacherous-looking person with shifty eyes and a snake-like manner it was with a deep foreboding and a strange sinking of the heart that she recognized fergus's companion as a notorious member of the young men's christian association of houston from that moment kathleen's peace of mind fled when fergus came to see her that night he seemed abstracted and different his hands trembled when he took the glass of rye she handed him and when he sang for her let the huntsman graze his hounds as the farmer does his grounds that sad and melancholy old song that irishmen always sing when they feel particularly jolly 
his voice sounded plaintive and full of pathos kathleen was far too wise to chide him she tried to be gay and cheerful though the change in fergus made her heart very sad again the next day and once more the following day but one did she see him with the low-browed tempter that had wrought the change day by day fergus grew more morose and pale his once jolly and laughing face grew stern and thoughtful he rarely spoke to any one and once when mr o'malley handed him a big schooner from a keg fresh from the brewery he heaved such a deep and mournful sigh that the foam flew half across the room kathleen said her papa one day what's the matter with that long-legged omadhon fergus he looks like he was walking over his own grave oh papa said kathleen bursting into tears i do not know he seems to be full of bayou water let us follow fergus and the sinister stranger and see what spell is upon our hero william k meeks was a member of the notorious young men's christian association his parents were honest and reputable citizens of houston and they had tried to inculcate in him the best principles and train him to be a good and useful citizen when about eighteen years of age he met a man on the street one night who persuaded him to visit the rooms of the association after taking a bath and joining in the singing of a hymn he was led into a game of checkers by some smooth-talking young man and finally threw all reserve to the winds and without a thought of his mother or his home sank back into an armchair and began to read the editorials in a religious newspaper after that his progress in the same direction was easy he cultivated side whiskers and white ties and fell so swiftly into the alluring ways of his companions that no ice cream and strawberry sociable or evening song in the hall of the association was complete without mr meeks he became what is known as a capper for the hall and many poor wandering young fellows strolling aimlessly about the streets of houston have good cause to remember the sly suave plausible voice of the low-browed william meeks as he addressed them in insinuating tones and invited them to the gorgeously lighted rooms of the young men's christian association william meeks had for a long time had his eye upon fergus o'hollahan the innocent straightforwardness of the young irishman seemed to mark him as an easy prey one day he entered fergus's store made some trifling purchase and then invited him to the hall all right said fergus i'll walk up with you as trade is a little dull hadn't we better take along a bottle of whiskey to help pass away the time no said william with a sly smile there is no need we have plenty to drink up there they passed down the street together and then it was that kathleen saw them and the cloud began to gather over her happy young life william led fergus to the door of the steps leading up to the hall gave a sharp glance around to see whether they were observed and they ascended the stairs what do fellows do up there asked fergus gazing around the hall in wonder we read and sing and pray said william now come over here mr o'hollahan i have something to show you william went to a large water-cooler in the corner drew a brimming glass of ice-water 
and with a cold and cruel smile curling his lips handed it to fergus ah little kathleen in thy rose-twined cottage thy dark eyes have many a tear in waiting could love be omnipresent that sparkling glass of water would be dashed to the floor ere it touched thy lover's lips fergus took the glass and gazed with wonder at its transparent contents then seized with some sudden impulse he drained the glass of water to the last drop as he drank william meeks with a diabolical look of triumph on his face rubbed his clammy hands together and exulted what is this stuff asked fergus this cold refreshing liquid that with such exquisite freshness thrills through my heated frame what nectar is this tasteless colourless and sweet as the morning air that quenches thirst and does not excite the senses speak mr meeks is it to be found elsewhere it is water said william softly and it can be had in plenty i have often sailed on the bayou said fergus and have washed my hands at the hydrant at home but i have never before seen any water fergus drank glass after glass from the cooler and finally suffered william to lead him reluctant from the hall they parted at the door and as fergus went down the street like one in some happy dream saying softly to himself at intervals water water william meeks looked after him with a smile of devilish satisfaction upon his dark face that evening after he closed the store fergus started home and suddenly felt an imperious thirst come upon him he was already a slave to this wonderful new liquid that refreshed him so he entered a little corner saloon where he had been in the habit of stopping to get a drink the bartender seized a mug and reached for the bottle under the counter hold on said fergus don't be so fast give me a glass of water please you owe me ein dollar und five cents he said please mr holohan baby now before you go pie yourself too much grazy to him remember und i be much obliged fergus threw the money upon the counter and staggered out of the saloon he did not go to see kathleen that night he was feeling too badly he was wandering about in an agony of thirst when he saw a piece of ice as large as a coconut fall from an ice wagon he seized it in both hands and hiding himself behind a pile of lumber sucked the ice greedily with bloodshot eyes and trembling hands after that he kept a jug of water in the store behind some barrels under the counter and when no one was looking he would stoop down and holding up the jug let the cursed stuff that was driving the light from kathleen's dark eyes trickle down his burning throat it was kathleen's wedding night the parlor of the little cottage was brilliantly lit and roses and evergreens were draped upon the walls cape jessamines filled the house with their delicious perfume and wreaths of white lilies were hung upon picture frames and the backs of chairs the ceremony was to take place at nine p m and by seven o'clock the guests had begun to assemble for the smell of the good things mrs o'malley was cooking pervaded the whole neighbourhood in the parlour standing on a trestle decorated with violets and evergreens stood a keg of whisky as cold as ice 
and on the centre table were several beautifully decorated imported glasses with quite a wedding-like polish upon their shining sides kathleen's heart grew lighter as the hour approached when fergus is mine she said to herself i will be so loving and sweet to him that this strange melancholy will leave him if it doesn't i will pull his hair out the minutes crept by and at half-past eight kathleen blushing and timid-eyed and looking like the lorelei that charmed men's souls from their bodies on the purple heights of the rhine took her stand by the keg and shyly drew for her father's guests glass after glass of the ruby liquid scarcely less red than the glow upon her own fair cheek at quarter to nine fergus had not come and all hands began to grow anxious at ten minutes to nine mr o'malley brought in his shotgun and carefully loaded it kathleen burst into tears where was fergus o'hallahan in the garish halls of the young men's christian association were gathered a group of gay young men little do the majority of our citizens know what scenes go on in places of this kind our police well know that these resorts exist but such is our system of city government that rarely do the guardians of peace set foot in establishments of this kind two or three young men were playing checkers feverishly crowning the kings of their opponents and watching the board with that hollow-eyed absorption and compressed lips so often noted in men of that class another played upon the guitar while in a corner harsh ribald laughter broke from the lips of a man who was reading the austin statesman at a little table at one side of the room sat fergus o'hallahan and william meeks before them on a waiter were two large glasses of ice water william meeks was speaking in a low treacherous voice and fergus was listening with an abandoned and reckless look upon his face sobriety said william insinuatingly as his snaky eyes were fixed upon the open and ingenious countenance of fergus sobriety is one of our cardinal virtues why should a man debase himself destroy his brain deaden his conscience and forge chains that will eventually clog his best efforts and ruin his fondest hopes let us be men and live temperate and cleanly lives believe me mr o'hallahan it is the better plan fergus's unsteady hand went out to the glass of water and he tossed it down his throat more he gasped gazing with feverish eyes a member of the association in passing by stopped and laid his hand on william's shoulder old man he said in a whisper the boys know you've struck a soft thing but don't carry it too far we don't want to have to bore another artesian well william shot a glance of displeasure at the young man and he went away just then a quartet began to sing come thou font and fergus forgetting all his associations and best impulses joined in with his strong tenor and william meek's face wore a look of fiendish gloating at this moment kathleen was weeping in her mother's arms mr o'malley was just ramming down the wad on the buckshot in his gun and the beautiful wedding supper was growing cold upon the banquet table suddenly in the street before the hall a brass band began to play an air that was kathleen's favorite it brought fergus to his senses he sprang to his feet and overturned the table and william meeks william sprang to his feet rushed to the cooler 
and drawing a glass of water thrust it into fergus's hands fergus hurled the glass to the floor and made a dash for the door the secretary of the association met him there with the water hose and turned it full in his face fergus shut his mouth tightly put the secretary to sleep with one on the point of his chin and dashed down the stairs into the street as the clock struck nine mr o'malley placed two caps on his gun and one upon his head and started to find his son-in-law elect the door burst open and fergus rushed in kathleen ran to meet him with open arms but he waved her sternly aside i have first he said a duty to perform he knelt before the whiskey keg closed his mouth over the faucet and turned on the handle sing happy birds in the green trees but your songs make not half the melody that ripples in the glad heart of little kathleen when fergus rose from the keg he was the same old fergus once more he gathered his bride to his heart and mr o'malley fired both barrels of his gun into the ceiling with joy fergus was rescued houston daily post sunday morning april nineteenth eighteen ninety six End of section 24.